project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Do you need a specialized recruitment partner to send you only qualified candidates? Do you need interim staff while you conduct a search for a permanent employee? Or are you losing hires to competitors? Renowned Talent recruits experienced HIM, RCM, and CDI professionals using their trusted candidate screening and retention process for health systems and employers around the U.S. Whether you have one or multiple openings that you need to fill ASAP, please visit Renowned Talent. And tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Again, visit RenownTalent, R-E-N-O-W-N, Talent.com, and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to. Do not to not elsewhere. Not elsewhere. 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 Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Also Classified podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Please check out our previous episodes by going to medicalcodinggeek.com slash podcast. Please check out Medical Coding Geek and Not Also Classified on social media, including Facebook and Instagram. Check out our Facebook groups by going to medicalcodinggeek.com services. And while you're there, if you need a speaker or need to promote your business or service, feel free to contact us. And of course, you could find me, Brian Kui, last name is spelled C-U-I on LinkedIn. Today on the podcast, we have Stacy Buck from Radarx. In this Sequela episode, we try to talk about being a subject matter expert. In part one of our interview, we share our thoughts on AAPC and AHIMA virtual conferences. We share our thoughts on speaking live versus being pre-recorded. And then Stacy goes on to talk about her journey in becoming a subject matter expert. We talk about associations valuing their subject matter experts in their conferences. I asked the question, when do you consider yourself to becoming or being a subject matter expert? We talk about becoming an industry celebrity. We also talk about positive and negative feedback and the prestige of reaching the national stage as a speaker. So without further ado, here's part one of my interview with Stacy Buck. Enjoy. All right, so you sound good. Everything is working great. Let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the Not Elsewhere Classified podcast. Today is a sequela episode, and today I have back on the podcast Stacy Buck. Stacy, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Brian? I'm good. You see, I'm. We're not recording this, but I'm, I'm cold. <laughs> I have my bathrobe on. For, I have a long sleeve sweater. It's like going down to 50. So for those northerners, they're they're probably laughing at me because anything that dips down to the 50, below 50, I, I start to 
I start to panic. <laughs> I start to bundle yeah. up. It's getting cold I'm up here. Sitting, I'm sitting here with a blanket wrapped around my legs, yeah. too, as we're, like, speaking. Like, it's crazy for those of us in Florida. It's, like, in the – I think when it's 55 out right now, mm-hmm. and I do have my window open, so oh, I'm a little okay. nutty for that. But, yeah, it's it's a little chilly. But I like it. It's a nice change. Yep. Very nice. Um, so, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, you reached out to me. Uh, well, number one, I've been bugging you to have a podcast. We'll, t- we'll talk about. <laughs> we'll talk. Oh my goodness! We'll talk about that later. Um, but you reached out to me. I, I guess it was. I guess it was a LinkedIn post that I had with one of my podcast episodes, and then you reached out to me, uh, wanting to talk about being, or I guess on the topic or the subject of being a subject matter expert, and. I mean, I have some experience, but I'm glad to have you on so that way we can kind of chit chat back and forth about it, uh, especially with uh, what's been going on in the wonderful year of 2020 <laughs> of adaptable yes, change and so forth. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, but the first question that I always ask, uh, especially with those that are returning back to the podcast, uh, what's been going on since our last episode? The last episode that we did, gosh. Well, when was it? 2017 it or something? It was 2017. It was mm-hmm. three years ago. And we do, yeah, we do that. Do we do it on phone? Yes, I, we did. <laughs> I have to remember. Yeah. yeah. So that's it's been a it's been a while. Did it over the phone, and now we're doing it on Zoom. We're finally. I mean, we've met afterwards, right? So we met afterwards. I think yeah. on the Fahima conference and a couple yes. conferences, and uh, and this year we've kind of kind of saw each other on the lineup for each other's conferences. Uh, the Hema, the APC. And the Fahima. But anyways, what's been going on with you since 2017? Oh, my gosh. Three years is a long time. Doesn't feel like it was that long ago that we did that podcast, no, does it? No, no. Like it, it feels like maybe like a year, year and a half ago. Like yeah. most, which I guess is good because 2020 has gone by super fast <laughs> in spite of things being crazy. So it's like the fastest, slowest year in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, no, really, um, you know, with, with me still doing, you know, a lot of the same doing, you know, focusing mainly on interventional radiology um, consulting. I think last time we spoke, I was still doing some diagnostic stuff, but not so much anymore. Um, I really focused in growing my online business, my online education. That's really always been my goal Mm -hmm. when I started my online training program that I know a lot of your listeners are familiar with because you do plugs for it. Mm -hmm. um, You know, people get discounts and whatnot. Um, But that's really been my focus. And I'm actually working on now putting together an online program for diagnostic radiology, which I hope to have done by the end of December and then have it up for sale in January with a launch date around February 1st. That's nice. something new doing um, just because of I've seen the demand for online education go through the roof with the pandemic and what we've been dealing with this year. Um, that's something that I've been thinking about doing for years and I never got around to it because it's not something that I do on a daily basis. So mm-hmm. it didn't really excite me. And then I was kicking myself when this year happened and everybody wanted online. I'm like, mm-hmm. shoot, I missed that opportunity if I would have had it already in place. So yeah. I'm still working on that because I think things are still going to be virtual for, for a while, you know, for the foreseeable future. I can imagine. Uh, so everything's been online since been, uh, has been virtual. A bunch of conferences, as we mentioned before, um, I was supposed to go to, the HIMSS in the Orange County Convention Center, mm-hmm. <laughs> where and it was a big one. I actually got in for free. Uh, I was oh. gonna, I was going to bring in my wife. I think I had won a raffle or something that, like that with one of the one of, with one of the vendors, 
And uh, I told my wife, we're going to go. And then all of a sudden the news came about, oh, we're going to close it and uh, forget about it. So that was one that bit the dust. Weren't they one of the first major conferences to yep. like cancel, yep. if I remember correctly? They bring in people internationally, too. I think that was the concern. You're bringing in people from all over the world yeah. for hymns. Yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a global uh, conference. And uh, I think that was the biggest concern. I think because it was global, then it got into the news, then it became national news mm-hmm. um, yeah. that it was a high risk. And uh, I was watching it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, if they close this thing. And it was my first time going. So like this year was supposed to be a bunch of my first uh, attending HIMSS, attending AHIMA. Uh, well, the last one I did AHIMA was was when I was a student. But now as a professional, <laughs> I want right. to and actually speaking for it. Two, uh, that was my goal too. And then uh, it would have been my first time speaking at AAPC. That became virtual. So uh, a lot of stuff became virtual and a lot of adaptation. But but speaking of those virtual conferences, every time I, as I mentioned before, um, I, I, I was lined up to speak for uh, AAPC and AHIMA and I would look at the lineup and I would see your <laughs> see your name I'm like oh she's also speaking too <laughs> so um, I guess my question is uh, aside from me kind of following <laughs> following you um, what what were your thoughts on the AAPC conference and also the AHIMA conference being virtual yeah so I'll just tell the audience that I joked with you about you stalking me because you were at every <laughs> conference that I was at and so when Brian's having a lot of his first times this year I've been speaking at these off and on so he's definitely stalking me it's not the other <laughs> way around um you know it was 2020 has been interesting with the virtual experience I was you know like you very disappointed not mm-hmm. to be able to go to conferences in person it's my favorite thing to do you know I do a lot of webinars and quite frankly webinars are just not the same as being in person with an audience connecting like face to face. There's Mm -hmm. nothing like being in a room, um, you know, with your peers and and just, you know, being able to really connect with them. And I feel like the virtual kind of takes away from that. But, you know, with, you know, as a speaker, at least I like it better. Listeners probably think I prefer to sit in my pajamas and listen to stuff, but I like as a speaker, I would prefer to be in front of a group of people talking. But I have to say, when they made that switch for AAPC, that was the first major one that Mm -hmm. you and I did virtually, and then the others followed, is that I was impressed at how Mm. well they put that together. And that was really like, I mean, professionally organized. I think out of all the places that I spoke for, I think AAPC did the best job out of all the organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were one of the first, obviously, that had to do that and pull that off. So I, I... was glad that they did so well with it because I was concerned how it would work. But overall, I think it went very well, all things considered. Yeah. And just kind of like a little side note here. I mean, I guess I can put this out in the public domain. So this year I'm back on the board for FHIMA okay. as a, as a right. director again. Yeah. And that's kind of, we've had no face-to-face meetings. So we didn't have, you know, that at convention and no face-to-face. We've been doing conference calls. And so FHIMA obviously was one conference that went virtual that you and I were both speaking Mm -hmm. at. And when we had a board meeting, we were talking about that virtual conference and I was looking through comments of attendees and it was very well received. Mm -hmm. People loved the virtual Mm -hmm. format and also the virtual format was extremely profitable versus the face-to-face meeting right. where you have a lot of expense involved. So it seems like going forward that they're probably going to, at a minimum, probably look at a hybrid approach 
um, at the state level right. in, in offering. Right right now, they're planning to do face-to-face -face next summer like we always do. Mm -hmm. um, but just looking at the financial aspect of it and how people really are saying, I kind of, a lot of people said they preferred that um, because there are people who had an opportunity to participate that normally don't because mm -hmm. of the expense and the time away from work. Um, there are employers who make people take PTO right conferences mm -hmm. you know they they don't get paid to go and then it's on their dime you, and with employers now with budgets tight and probably even tighter if you work in facilities due to covid right um that could be a problem going forward so i think um that's probably the future even when things settle down with covid i think a lot of organizations are going to realize that that's probably a good way to go so i, I see positives on both sides of it but i just want to go speak to people face-to-face. -face. I hope I get to do that in 2021. Yeah. I miss it. Yeah. I miss it. And working from home kind of sucks because <laughs> I don't get to see anybody. So like conferences are like my interaction, like my I human agree. interaction that I love. And I just like feed off of that. And mm -hmm. instead I'm sitting in my house by myself and that's just not fun. Yeah. So I hope we get, I hope we get to see each other face-to-face. -face. I agree. Um, the AAPC, I don't think I ever mentioned it in the, in the podcast before, but I did talk about some predictions uh, with uh, with Jeff White, who was my co-speaker, and the that was my plan. He's from Arkansas, and I was hoping to meet up with him <laughs> at the at the Coronado, but that never happened. Uh, hopefully, we could do it again. But um, but AAPC, they they pulled it together. Uh, really, really, like within the last, like it was so last minute that they made the change from uh, from removing it from the Coronado Springs to being virtual. And uh, they pulled out the platform. I think it was Adobe Adobe Connect. Was it Adobe yes. Connect? Yes. Yes. So Adobe Connect is what I is a is a somewhat of a similar I guess teaching platform that I've used uh, when I used to teach for uh, private institutions as an adjunct instructor, and it's it's really great. It's a very engaging tool. So uh, they used Adobe Connect, and then I liked how the whole thing was was live. Uh, there was no pre-recorded yeah. and. Uh, but if you have to ask me if I liked pre-recorded or live, I like live because yes. uh, the fact that you have the chat box. I always love the chat box. When I'm, whenever I'm doing something like this, I'll look at the chat box and see what the comments are. And maybe I'll kind of take a question and then in between you know, concepts or topics, I will answer the question right there. Um, the last, the, I think I did, uh, Fahima was, um, was pre-recorded. And yeah. also for me, they selected my topic. Hey, everybody, this is Brian. I just wanted to step in as I'm editing this episode. I am talking about the AHIMA conference, not the Fahima conference. Back to our episode. I thought it was live, but then last minute they told me it's <laughs> it's going to be pre-recorded. I'm like, oh, man. You know, and so I... I there's one. I mean, I'm used to podcasting. I think that's what it is that that made it easier for me. But because it was a something that I had to present a topic with, I was expecting to, like you mentioned, engage and, and connect with people yeah. while you're there. So I was I was somewhat disappointed with uh, with the with the pre-recorded uh, sessions. But um, I I I think I talked about it before, or I mentioned it in the LinkedIn post where. Uh, this opens an opportunity, and if anybody is doing pre-recorded, to step up your your production game. Uh, you know, you have I have a key light right over here. I have a <laughs> light over here. I'm trying to clean up my my area here, which I, I'm doing the, uh, somewhat this week on my staycation, and uh, upgrading some 
camera equipment. This is a 1080p camera. I'm actually going to move up to a 4K camera. Um, hopefully, wow. increase, high tech. yeah, and increase these. So I, I'm always watching uh, those game streamers, and they have really like one person. I I always look at the beginning to see the questions about their equipment, and uh, they the one I think one figure. One person asked about their camera, and it says, "Well, this camera here, something like this, the the webcam is about fifty bucks." And then she switched over to a twelve hundred dollar camera, and she, <laughs> can you tell the difference? And uh, and it's great. So, uh, to for me, when I was trying to do all of this virtual stuff pre-recorded, I figured, let I think this is the time that I need to up my production game, and uh, hopefully within the future create some type of podcast video and so that's another thing that for for so for some weird reason and i was just i was just thinking about this before i started is i can do podcast i can do in person i could do in person easy but when it comes to a camera for some reason it, it's it's tough it's really tough yes because maybe i'm looking at myself maybe i just got to <laughs> i just got to cover my face not put a monitor um, but it's something with a camera that that's holding me back, but hopefully I can get over that over some time. I have the same problem with the camera, the same problem when people ask me to record things and talk mm. to the camera. I'm like, I struggle. I stumble. I stutter. I had someone actually ask me do it to do it this week. And they're like, well, record on your phone. And then if it doesn't work on your phone, come in and we'll do it kind of right. like, you know, real production. And I'm like, oh no. And then I've had people want me to start a YouTube channel. I'm like, right. oh, I'm going to be on camera. <laughs> I'm like I can't even. So I totally relate. I completely relate to what you're saying. That's, I don't know why, but if you put me in front of a room of 500 people, it doesn't even phase me. Right. I'm not nervous. I'm exactly. in my element. It's no, no problem whatsoever. So yeah, I have the same issue. I think, I think it has to do with, um, when you're in front of people, you see the immediate feedback. You see the reaction yeah. right away. I think yeah. that's what it is, right? So I think it's the the fear of the unknown. Because you're doing a YouTube channel, you won't get your feedback until you post that video, until you start getting feedback. And I'm hoping after the first video right. or first couple videos, I'll look at the feedback and... Uh, because uh, even now people are saying I can't wait for your YouTube video and I'm like I I I am so afraid to do it because right. I I I don't know I just don't know so I I figure I figure as far as practice I'm just going to do some random topic and then uh, just post it and maybe do some edits on there myself and see how it looks like and see how it works and then kind of I guess progress from there I mean I think I'll I'll at least with the YouTube channel kind of not make it perfect in the beginning as, as the same thing that I did with the podcast and then just kind of grow yeah. it from there. And I think people will be drawn to the the idea that it's not a perfect channel. <laughs> it's not intended to be uh, kind of subject matter expert material <laughs> per se right. in the beginning. And then eventually l- later on, it will uh, progress uh, with its production. And hopefully, you know, I'll learn some things along the way. Yeah, for me, it's not so much looking at myself, although it's a distraction when you're looking at yourself, you know, or the camera dealing with whatever. But what I find is like, even like if I'm recording a webinar, let's say, or I'm recording a demo for a client or something, Mm -hmm. or, you know, something I've been working on, I like tend to like stutter and stop and shoot and let me start that again. When you're in front of a live audience, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. You have to keep going no matter what. And so I think that's what it is where the pressure of live is, oh, sorry. 
let me rewind. Let me mm-hmm. go back and say this. You don't do that. Whereas when you have the camera in front of you, it feels awkward. And then you know that you have that ability to do that. So I just keep starting over and over and, and it drives me nuts. Yeah. But I like, I like that pressure of like, you're live in front of people and there's nothing you can do yeah. about it. You gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta figure out what to say real fast. <laughs> <laughs> like you have like no time. It's like one second. And when that pressure is there, then you have the ability True. to do it. Mm-hmm. At least I find that sometimes I find myself in awkward situations in an audience, but you do, you have to react so quickly. Then you just get right through it and you move on. And then half the time, nobody even notices more than half the time notices that you missed a beat at all. You notice mm-hmm. and you feel it. People in the room didn't notice a thing. And I'm like, okay. So I feel like the record, it's not as forgiving unless you're a great editor and you can really <laughs> do something with it. They, it's not as, I don't think it's as forgiving because it's living and people can back up and rewind and look at it live. It's mm-hmm. done. It's over. If mm-hmm. they missed it, they missed it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, I think that's my crutch is, is the editing <laughs> is a lot of the editing because, um, like even now, like you know, I'm talking to you. It's fu- it's fine, you know. But uh, surprisingly, when I do like solo podcast episodes, like I just did one for LinkedIn, I did one for uh, how to connect with your virtual audience. I wish I think the next one that I do, I should record it live because I want to show people at least in the Facebook community group, the net NEC podcast Facebook community group, show it to them live, like because. Because the way I would do it, I again, I have I have this thing here, and um, I would record it. But if I feel like I'm gonna make a mistake or I did make a mistake, I would actually press pause. I would pause the recording, mm-hmm. and then kind of sort out my thoughts, and then come back to it, and then continue again. And it's probably gonna be the same way when I do the video. I'll, but with the video, it's different. It's hard because if you if you stop it you have a separate file and then the 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 pain of just going back in the editing process and sorting out all of those files what did you talk about in this file what did you talk about in this file what did you talk about yeah. in this file and i think what i'm finding myself thinking is like okay if i have to record all of this it's going to have to be one big recording and then one big recording you got to edit and then got to look at it and i have to break it down this is going to be a, such a pain in the butt but i guess we'll, we'll see how that goes anyways Let's talk about the the subject matter expert thing that you want to <laughs> come on. <laughs> this year has been very unique for yourself, right? So you've went online, right? And I guess with with uh, with a lot of things that are going online, I guess you know before COVID, uh, we were looking at you know consultations, being a being a consultant, flying to. Uh, people's uh, f- flying on site to do education sessions, but now that's not happening. Uh, and so now you have to, as you mentioned before, you have to rely on your education component. Uh, so how does, how did you within that year kind of see how uh, being a subject matter expert uh, leveraged into the online platform? Yeah. So um, I guess we're going to kind of go backwards. We're going to talk about where we are now, and then we're going to rewind in time. I guess we can do it that way. Um, So I'll kind of talk about that. So, I mean, most people, you know, have a lot of people in the field have known me for like many, many, many years. And it's really the past, I would say 10 years, I've really focused on becoming a subject matter expert in interventional radiology. And that's because everyone knows who does coding. It's one of the most difficult areas. And back in, I think it was 2015, I started, well, I'll talk about how my online program started. I have an online training program for interventional radiology, for those of you who aren't aware. 
And I think it was back in the beginning of 2015, might've even been around the end of 2014. One of my clients, she's like, I need to take the CIRCC exam. She's like, I need to pass this. She's like, do you have anything? And I'm like, no, I don't have anything specific for that. Um, I said, but I said, I'm willing to tutor you like Mm one-on-one. And so she said, okay. So we agreed on like a rate. I gave her a really great deal back then (laughs) to do the tutoring with her one-on-one. And so we did kind of like an eight week, like, you know, crash course, if you will. And I walked her through, um, you know, interventional radiology coding and she went and she took the CIRCC exam and she passed it. And she said that it helped her tremendously. And so that kind of got me thinking that, you know, maybe I should do something with this, like actually take it out to the masses. And because I feel like there was a, I felt like there was a demand out there for that education, mainly because, you know, when I tried to learn interventional radiology many, many years ago, um, like early 2000s, I was trying to learn it and I struggled and I couldn't find anybody or anything that would help me like learn interventional radiology. I'm pretty good at teaching myself things when I read about it, but IR was just not that animal. And I would go to different seminars and just be lost. And so when she had success going through the eight weeks of tutoring with me, I said, I think I should do eight week boot camps. That's how I started out doing these eight week boot camps. And I would limit it to 10 people and we would do live sessions. We would meet in the evenings for two to two and a half hours for eight weeks. And I would do instruction and then they would be practicing in between sessions. And I had a lot of those people, the first group go through the first 10 and then sit and pass their CIRCC exam. So that was, I'm like, okay, I definitely have something here because we're getting people passing on the first try, Mm -hmm. which is pretty amazing. Anybody out there who's taken the CIRCC exam, you know, it's tough. It's a lot of people don't pass on the first try. So I took another group of 10 people and then I'm like, you know what? I'm like, people were telling me, I wish I had longer than eight weeks. Eight weeks is still like, you know, a neck breaking pace to learn this all which I understand. I mean, I went to a week-long course back when I tried to learn. In a week, that was really tough. So I figured eight weeks was good. We're going from a normal one week, what other companies do. All the ones that do courses out there, they do week-long courses and then send you on your way. So at that point, I said, you know what? Let me expand this. And I decided to put it fully online and then have students come and enroll and have access to the course for 12 months. Wow. And so with this, so with this change, I did everything pre-recorded. It's all pre-recorded sessions, obviously, and it's on demand 24-7 for them to work through at their own pace. And I found that when I made the switch over, people liked that because they didn't feel like, okay, like, you know how it is when your schedule one week, you have a lot of free time, you know, the next week you have things going on, maybe family, kids, whatever, you know, which time to devote to it. So it freed them up where they didn't have to be available on a certain day to listen to me if they're like, you know, night owls, they're up late at night, you know, like doing their studies or whatnot. And they had the ability to really take time to study and work through the content. You know, with interventional radiology, you know, I kind of laugh thinking, I actually thought I could go to a week-long course back in 2007 and learn this. I mean, I was like, after day one, I'm shut down. I'm like, I can't absorb anymore because there was so much there. So I just felt like this approach was was better. I wish the course that I have and the book that I have, I wish I would have had this when I tried to learn IR, because I would have learned it very quickly, um, you know, with what I had developed. So I created what I wished would have existed back in 2000, 2001, 2002, when I was trying to, to learn it. So then it just kind of, you know, became like this thing where 
over time, it has really grown. I used to limit enrollment. I would only take in so many people. I've been able to expand that. I don't have any limitations on enrollment anymore. And it's taken a while. So I started it in 2015 as the boot camp. I think I went to the fully virtual 24 seven. I want to say the end of 2016 Mm -hmm. sounds about right. Maybe fall of 2016, I think is when I made that move and put that on an online platform. And so now four years into it, I mean, my registrations have just grown. Um, Word of mouth is the biggest way that people find out about me. People say, hey, I took this course. It was really good. You need to do it. And it's, it's, it's grown. And I was thrilled to have something in place at the beginning of this year Um, you know, when the pandemic, you know, kicked in and everybody was, you know, going virtual that I actually had record registrations in January, interestingly, wow, um, the beginning of the year, January was huge. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of dropped off in February. And then when everything happened in March and April, March and April had record registrations with people saying, Hey, I have time. We know coders, you and I, you know, we're, you know, coders working, doing what we do. Mm -hmm. People were laid off, furloughed, so they had free time or I had some employers say, hey, I want my employees to work on their continuing education True. to fill their hours. I don't mm-hmm. have the work. So they were paying some employers were paying mm-hmm. for their employees to take the course. So that just really exceeded my expectations. So it was great. I already had something up and running that people knew about and people who had been hedging and waiting to take it finally pulled the trigger and did it just because of the time factor, which was really nice. And this year overall. Um, we were talking before the podcast. It's been, you know, my my highest grossing year ever. Amazing. Um, with the on with the online education, even in light of everything that's going on. Let's take a moment for a quick break. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code: Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education. Created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx, this comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information, and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with MedicalCodingGeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. And now back to our show. 
So I know there are a lot of coders out there that are still struggling and like not working. And, you know, that's been a challenge. And I'm like, I'm like outpatient coders are my customer base. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, they're affected the most by this. And so I thought that might affect online. Mm -hmm. And it absolutely didn't. I actually had a, this is my best year online (laughs) um, that that I've had in spite of it. So Um, that was a very pleasant surprise, you know, to have that work out the way that it did, because like other people who do outpatient coding, my coding revenue, the work I do there went Mm -hmm. down. So I had something to, to make that up. So I was very glad to be a subject matter expert in 2020. That is for darn sure that I already had that going. So it's, it's been a good year overall, you know, relying on that. And I like that better because guess what? I'm not sitting at my desk coding and I'm still making money. So, I mean, that's the great part about being a subject matter expert. If it's something you want to do, if you do something you love and you're good at teaching it, you can actually create an online business where you are out enjoying yourself and making money and you're putting in minimal hours, you know, answering questions for people, you know, I mean, they question in the online forum and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's a minimal amount of time for the money that I make. So that is what I like. And that's what I'd like to do is build that even more. Um, I'm going to be doing another course for diagnostic radiology. Mm-hmm. And really, I want to get to the point in my business, I'm not doing coding on a daily basis. I'm mm-hmm. not doing auditing. I just want to strictly do education mm-hmm. and do that and go do speaking engagements live and in person. I will never stop that regardless because I love it and really grow that. And I just think, I'm, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that we live in this time of technology because you and I could not do what we do without it. I'm like, we live in like the best time. I think our generation is like one of the most fortunate because we've grown up always learning every aspect of technology Mm -hmm. and growing with it. And so we have access to that. And I'm like, to think that I make more money, you know, with an online course versus if I was sitting, you know, working for somebody 40 hours a week, I would never be able to come close. I'm so thankful, you know, for that. And if you know how to leverage technology, I want to pick your brain about LinkedIn. I know we're not talking about that today. I know you were doing something about that, but I've been using more LinkedIn over the past year to network and reach out and okay, that's good. helped tremendously okay, as well. Good. Yeah. So. I just did, um, I just did a LinkedIn podcast episode, so you could pick my brain anytime. Uh, so I, I did want to mention something before you, you talked about, um, your your recent journey into uh, being a subject matter expert, which I'm which I'm which I'm kind of baffled because not you you considered yourself after so many years a subject matter expert. So, but that's that's another thing I want to talk about. Um, but uh, I was going back to what you mentioned with the Fahima conference, and I guess it'll tie into what you you mentioned about your online uh, education sector. Uh, with the interventional radiology, I think what, what uh, when you mentioned that it's it's done great, I think the reason why, and I've seen this also for um, when AAPC started their virtual sessions, right? Uh, and I've done a couple, and and I think the reason why it's gotten so big is because as as you mentioned before, there are people who are at home, they're they're furloughed, whatever it may be. But when you look at it from a I guess a, a location locale area. Uh, you know, with with people who go to the Fahima conference in person, they have to drive, you know, drive. And it's in Orlando. So you're talking about at least, what, one to two to three hour max drive um, or flight, wherever, <laughs> whatever way you got to go mm-hmm. there. Uh, but now uh, it, it kind of widened the audience a bit. Uh, it allowed people who normally could not be there, then they're not, then, then they're able to be there. And I think what's nice about what Fahima did. Uh, so. Uh, the the previous the previous conferences the max CEUs 
was was 18, I believe, right? Every every year it's always like yeah, 18 or so, there. right? Yeah. But this yeah. year, it was 36. <laughs> yeah. Like, holy moly, you covered me basically for my uh, reporting year. All I need is just like, right. what, four more, right? And uh, I, I like that. I like the fact that um, I think it allows for more uh, content to be put in. Uh, and it allows, and I think also you can change the... It doesn't have to be just in one week. I think what Fihima did really, what they did really great is they really expanded out the the time of access uh, of the mm-hmm. conference. I don't think it was what, yeah. usually conferences are what, like three, four days? But this one was, yeah. I forgot how long, maybe like a a couple months? Was it two, three months or something like that? Do you I remember? Think they, I think they let ran access through around September 30th, I want to say. I mm-hmm. think it was the end of September. Mm-hmm. Um, that they had all their sessions like up there and I know HIMA they still I don't know do you remember I know the sessions are still there I don't know they were there for a little while or if at a certain point you have to pay but I know they put them somewhere and people could watch them on demand I'm just not sure how long how long they were leaving them sit there for for eight for the HIMA conference yeah I know Fahima was 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 more than what the regular conference had um, I know APC was because it was live. You could only I know they're very strict with their uh, CEU reporting. Like if you you have to be there virtually in person, whatever you have to be in attendance in order to obtain that. Because at the end they usually say, well, here's the number, whatever, so you could report your your CEUs. I think that's the reason why they went that route. Uh, but for Ahima, I don't think it works that way. But for Hima, for Fahima. Uh, they expanded that out. But when I go to, or when I spoke for... Oh, wait, wait a second. APC, everything's on demand from HealthCon. Is it? I still have access to it. I've been watching on-demand sessions. Oh. They're, they're posted, if you were registered for the conference, mm-hmm. you have access to them until January. There's Good some date Lord. in January. Some date in January 2021. Wow. So they have really let them, and I'm <laughs> glad because I, I need to get AAPC approved CEs mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I still need to like earn. Um, but I wanted to wait till my new AHIMA cycle kicks in so I can count them for both. So I got to wait till January 1st. There's always to a strategy. Um, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Because I just reported for AHIMA. I had to get those all in before the end of the year. And mm-hmm. I'm like, if I do more before the end of the year, then I won't count for AHIMA. So I got to wait till January 1st. So APC has left those up for conference attendees until January. Um, so that was back in like, what, April? That right. Conference mm-hmm. there. So they've had the extended access Jeez. on all of their sessions and which is great because a lot of times like I'm like oh I want to go see this session but it's at the same time as this one or I'm speaking I can't go to this session Mm -hmm. and so it's been nice to see um, things online you know that you wouldn't be able to attend so I've appreciated them that they I just feel like out of everybody they outdid themselves it was the easiest for the speaker the most professional the best setup and they had the least amount of time to do it all too right and so kudos to AAPC HIMA, yeah, that was not the best process. (laughs) I didn't think. As a speaker, it wasn't the most pleasant experience. I'll just say that for many, many reasons. I'm Um, going to step in here for for that because... Are you going to edit this out? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm actually going to... I wanted to do... Actually, here's here's what I... Here's what I, I wanted to do a podcast episode on this. I might as well just do it now, right? So a comparison. So this is... I am not affiliated with whatever. This is just my own personal thought. There's nothing in terms of ties of who I'm employed with or whatever. I'm going to put that disclaimer out there. It's just a strict opinion, right? Because as a speaker, right? Here's here's my here's my thing. Uh, I know um, 
Actus, which I didn't do virtually, right? They they gave me the full conference. Like, here's the conference. You could attend the conference, right? Okay, mm-hmm. great. I loved it. AAPC virtual. Okay, you could speak. Here's the here's the access to the entire conference. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Ahima. Um, we'll give you a discount for one day, but you still got to pay. <laughs> they get, they give you they give you the one day that you're speaking, and they've always done that, Brian. They've always done that. They don't give you anything. You get the one day you're speaking, and that's like it. And that always frustrates me. I'm like, they are the cheapest major organization. <laughs> out there because every major organization like you know apc i've spoken for ahra which is a huge radiology mm-hmm. conference mm-hmm. that's like a hema for radiology they give you free conference registration you may be paying your own travel expenses to the conference right. but they all give you full complimentary yes. registration i felt this year because it was virtual that they should have allowed us access for all yeah. of the days for free yeah because it was virtual there's zero cost to you and allowing us virtual and i was like whatever going back to where i mentioned that ahima i mean uh, you we were there both on that on that call that that um that team meeting right the microsoft team meeting and uh yes. this was my first time i'm like all excited i'm like wow this is this is my first time speaking for ahima and then they run down some of the uh, the the checklist home you know the the housekeeping items and they said well you know if you're going to speak or if you're going to attend the conference uh, for speakers we'll give you one day and uh, we'll give you a little discount <laughs> what's yeah. I mean, you couldn't give me one free day or you couldn't give me uh, the whole conference uh, so like you know when, when I think of being a subject matter expert or at least volunteering my time or or spent you know pouring out. I guess my my experience, my my insights, my uh, observations of what I've done, uh, the production value that I did for that presentation, um, it, it's not worth. Why am I paying to to do that? You know, why am I be, why am I paying to to do that? So like, okay, let me give you some numbers, right? So like, Actus, right? Actus and AAPC. Not that I'm bashing Ahima, but I want Ahima to open their eyes a bit here and see what the market is doing here. So Ahima, uh, sorry, Actus, they're they're whole entire. They gave me the whole entire conference, and uh, the conference, what well, the the, mon- the 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 price for it is about a grand, right? Same thing with HealthCon. It's about a grand, a grand worth yep. of access. And you can't give that to to me. The work that we do to to, I mean, I even whenever I do conferences, I'm promoting it. I'm promoting it. Hey, I'm speaking at Actis. I'm speaking at Ahima. I'm speaking at AAPC. I hope to see you there, right? And so yeah. when I attended that meeting, I was like, should I even <laughs> should, should I even promote this because it's not worth it? Why am I paying to speak? And they're not paying me, but I have to pay them to attend the conference. And uh, I just don't understand. Anyways, so that's the idea of um, the value ship. If you decide to become a subject matter expert, because, the t- you know, if there has to be a whole bunch of them out there. But, but let me go back to to what you said earlier on, aside from the soapbox. But uh, <laughs> but what you mentioned that you considered, I mean, how, how like up until 2015, or 2016, 2017, you did not consider yourself a subject matter expert? I guess, I mean... Because that's surprising to me. Yeah. I guess I probably never thought about it in those terms because we never really had the term SME or subject matter expert until 
fairly recently. That's something people started throwing around and calling themselves mm. on, on, link, on LinkedIn and things like that. Right. So you start seeing it, so it becomes a thing that people know. So people like knew me like as like an expert, but would I have called myself a subject matter expert? Like, I guess just mm -hmm. because the term didn't exist. Right. But I used to, I used to joke about being like a coding, like celebrity. Like I used to joke about mm -hmm. that. It was funny, <laughs> you know, and, and you probably experienced this as well now that you're on the speaking circuit, especially nationally, but mm -hmm. I've done national for years and I go to different CSAs and speak at their conferences and other places. And so when you're the speaker, like people know you, people have seen you online and they've seen you at conferences, hundreds and thousands of people. And you're walking through like a conference center in a hotel and people are like, Hey, Stacy, like they know you. And I'm like, who are you? Or people coming up, you know, <laughs> yeah. like they know you and having a conversation. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever met you in my whole entire, but they feel like they know you. And that's kind of when yeah. you start to feel like, okay, I am a little bit of a celebrity. It's weird. Like I am a little bit of a celebrity. Mm -hmm. I had someone at FHIMA mm -hmm like a few years back, come to my booth. And she's like, I'm so excited to meet you in person. Can I have my, can I have my photo taken with you? And I'm like, seriously, you want a picture with me? And she was so happy about it. And she was sharing it. And, you know, she's, and I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm like, I'm not like a Jennifer Aniston or anybody like that. So I, just, I find that kind of, I found that kind of funny. So I think it was more when you start realizing you're an expert, you start to see that and how people respond to mm. you. And then with me, I found that once I started speaking and getting out more, people were always inviting me back. Mm. People were mm -hmm. hearing about me. I was getting other opportunities. You know how that goes. It starts out slow. Yes. But once you gain momentum, you've mm. had that same experience. You have, you know, speaking gig after speaking gig after speaking gig. Um, you know, for a while I kind of like backed off and then I had some health issues and I had to back off, but then you get back in and you pick up that momentum. And as long as people are raving about you and they mm. love what you're talking about and they're learning, I mean, I, you know, on evaluations, you've probably read a ton of your conference evaluations now, but most of the time I would say 95% to 98% of my attendees rate me very highly yeah. and and are very appreciative of the subject matter. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, you don't waste my time. They're like, you get into the meat of it kind True. of thing. So I think when you start getting feedback from people about how helpful it is and how easy you make things, um, then you kind of start to think about yourself, you know, in those terms and just kind of like a, a side note here, like talking about the evaluations, like as right. a speaker, there's always one person in the room who can't stand you for whatever reason. I've kind of found that there's always one person who's nasty and like negative when everybody else loves you. And in the beginning, I used to get so hung up on those negative mm. ones. But then when you do it enough, you're like, you know what? A hundred people were in the room. 99 people love me. And this one person wanted to be a jerk. And so you just blow yeah, it off. Yeah, yeah. You keep going on. Right. Um, but I've had some interesting um, feedback on evals from people. And sometimes I'm like, did they confuse me with another speaker because they couldn't have been talking about me um, kind of thing. So anyway, but yeah, I think it's just really more when you find something that you enjoy, that you love, and then you share it with other people. I think some people may intend set out to become a subject matter expert. I didn't necessarily do that. I just always had a passion for teaching mm -hmm. and I enjoyed speaking and people have always told me you have a way of taking something complex and breaking it down into simple terms where I can understand it. And then just over time, it kind of grew. And then once I hit my stride with interventional radiology, I'm like, you know what? Very few people actually know this and know it well. So then you start getting more comfortable calling yourself like that subject matter expert. 
and then people like you know know you is like oh this once you're known on a, I guess a national level mm. when I achieved that then you start thinking more of like hey I am a subject matter expert when you get known on that broader scale right, right. so so you right now are an expert because you are on the national scale as well. You right. have achieved that status. Right. So, right. Yeah. Um, that, yeah. I mean, you don't have to, but I feel that just adds like more credibility, especially when you get invited back to the conferences. And I'm sure you'll be speaking at a lot more health cons, a lot more HIMA conferences, even though they won't pay you. They're <laughs> cheaping out on registration. Ah, we'll see. No. <laughs> that, that, uh, look, I've spoken for them many times at HIMA at National. I've never gotten compensated. It's the same thing. They give you the one day. They give you nothing. They feed you, zip, zilch, nada. You're on your own. Um, but you do it for the prestige and you do it for the exposure. Yeah. I mean, that's mm -hmm. like your professional association. So the first time I did that, that was like such a big deal. And I'm sorry that you didn't get to do it face to face yeah. for your first time. Yeah. It's so exciting to be able to do that. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll be back and face to face and, you know, we'll, we'll be doing that again. So anyway, maybe, maybe that's what, that's, that's what made it sour is the fact that I didn't do it in person. So I think if I had done it in person and with the topic that I was doing was podcasting and, and effective communication, I was pouring my heart out with, with right. this topic. And so I felt like, it was kind of like a slap in the face that, hey, I can't I couldn't get, you know, full access to it. But I think if it was in person, where was it in Georgia? If it, oh, I love Georgia. Yeah. So, you know, I would have said, OK, I'm going to speak. Adios. I'm going to go check out Atlanta right now. So exactly. Uh, I think it would have been it would have been better. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to give uh, Ahima a second try here. So, I mean, I, I'd really. I think also um, it would have given me an opportunity to walk around. The, I think the vendors, all of that stuff, just be around, just not even attending any of the, the, the sessions, just being present. You know, uh, I think that would have done it very well because I've done it in. Um, uh, I did it for AAPC HealthCon in Vegas mm -hmm. and uh, also Actis in Kissimmee. And uh, just the just walking around alone, and you mentioned people coming up to you says, "Oh, are you Stacy? Oh, are you Brian from Medical Coding Geek?" Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah." And I remember, um, I remember at HealthCon Las Vegas, I was walking around. Uh, where was it? It was at uh, Little Caesars. I went to Little Caesars, Caesars Palace. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say pizza, pizza. <laughs> Anyways, Caesar's <laughs> Palace, and then I walked to the, I walked to the, um, I walked because because a little Caesar's is right down my house, so I order it all the time. Uh, I was in the the cafe, and uh, it was a big cafe. I was I was getting halal guys, uh, and I brought my I was eating, but I got my own food. I was about to sit down. And I says, "Hey, are you Brian Queen?" And I'm like. You know, the same way, like, who, who, who are you, you know? And it was a group <laughs> yeah. of ladies. I'm like, oh, who are these ladies? And it's, oh, yeah, we remember you from Medical Coding Geek, this and that, your podcast and so forth. I'm like, oh, okay. And did you mind having a, a picture with us? And then I'm like, okay, great. And it also happened to me at, um, at the Actus Conference where um, I think somebody international, you know, one of the international attendees came in and then she stopped by and then she just, she, she, she grabbed me like this and then she did like a selfie. I'm like, what are you doing? Can we have a selfie? I'm like, oh, okay, great. Um, so I, 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 I liked how you mentioned that, um, you know, reaching the national status for me kind of felt like it needed to salute. I think by doing that, it helped me solidify. Uh, yeah. being a subject matter expert in whatever it is that I am doing. And mostly it's been in CDI. 
uh, mostly been in the clinical setting, mostly been in podcasting, communications. Now it's going, hopefully, because a lot of the stuff that I do that I think that I don't wouldn't even consider myself a subject matter expert. I only share my experience. So I'm a experience share, right? So I like to share what I've done. And people, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, perceive that as, I guess, the same way. Like, you know, you're looking at people appreciate you for uh, breaking down the, the the concepts in such a way that they understand it. And I do it the same way, but I do it through my mistakes. Like, here's my mistakes. Here's how I've done it. Here's, here's how I fixed it. Uh, here are the solutions. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I totally get that because every time that I've done the speaking events, I'm like, I got to go national. Let me see if I can go national and see if I could solidify that. Um, but also another thing that you mentioned is that people come up to you, but I think also reputation uh, helps out a lot. When you do enough speaking events and you mentioned your business through word of mouth, I think that's the best thing. Uh, a lot of the advertising or just being known has been a lot through the speaking events. And and for some yes. reason, when I did, um, it started off, who who started out? I know it was out in Washington, Andy Zubrick, right? So Andy Zubrick was my first virtual webinar. And then she's an officer. And then Facebook has a AAPC officers group. And so they threw my name in the pot. <laughs> they kept on saying, oh, Brian Kui is great. Brian Kui is great. All of a sudden, I kept on getting a whole bunch. I said, oh, yeah, we heard from you from the APC officer group. I'm like, okay, so what can you talk about? And I'm like, CDI. And so, okay, okay let's, let's do CDI. And it's always been CDI, CDI, CDI. And I think another thing uh, with being a subject matter expert is that you can't re- do the same presentation every time. Like I have a, I have a presentation that I kind of sit with. And then over time, like I've been doing it for like three years, the same presentation. But every time I always have to kind of evolve. So that comes to my next question, right? Uh, So being a subject matter expert, as you proclaim yourself, (laughs) starting in 2015. And and I agree. uh, I've seen that um, because my 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 first I think I took a subject matter expert um, for CDI. Uh, for a company in 2015, I didn't. I didn't realize that was the role, and I was just say I was just somebody who was going to talk about CDI. Um, but what was my question? Hold on. What was I going to ask you? Um, I'm not an expert mm. on mind reading. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. That is part one of my interview with Stacy Buck. You can check out Stacy on LinkedIn. You could also go to radrx.com. And while you're there, use our promo code GEEK10. That's G-E-E-K-10 to get special pricing on their online education, webinars, and resources. Again, that promo code is GEEK10. G-E-E-K-1-0. Medical coding geek dot com.